we continue we started kind of our part our two part series um it was on being faithful and steadfast we listened to James explain how our heart needs to be when we're dealing with people his example was in dealing with the rich and how they were mistreating the people that worked for them but as we saw really that principle is universal it does not matter if you are rich or poor it matters how we treat people so we should never be using anybody to propel ourselves forward in the end we should be treating the everybody the way that we would want to be treated the royal law that James brought up earlier in the book um, is what he's talking about here so this week we're going to cover the last two parts of this study and it's going to be being faithful and steadfast and your word is your bond and we're going to look at the biblical response to persecution if we read this out of context it would be all about waiting on crops and patience that's how we would read this this story if if we were doing that but in context we know it is telling people how to deal with people who take advantage of us how do we respond as we finish in context with your word is your bond so that we don't defraud people okay so let's stand again we're going to read um we're going to start in verse 7 and read through verse 12. And you got it? Okay. She's in Samuel. That's close enough. She's working on it. She's got her Bible open. Let's not criticize her. All right, let's go. Uh, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Be patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, even by heaven or by earth or by any oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Amen. You may be seated. So in verse 7, James starts off with, be patient, therefore. So when we see that word, therefore, we have to ask, what's the therefore, therefore? Right? Well, it's there because it's a contextual word. It's a word that we use to put the rest of what we're reading into context, okay? So what does the rest of the text say? 
it says rich people may treat you like garbage, but we are to be examples of Christ to them. Okay? So remember, as we read more, this is going to fall more into line. But it's not just about how the rich treat us. It's about how we all treat each other. Are we treating people the way that we want to be treated? James says to be patient. In reality, guys, I am probably one of the most impatient people on earth. <laughs> Hallelujah! That's the first amen I've gotten in this church. <laughs> Except, except, Josh, in what James is talking about here. And the state of the church today is one of the many driving factors for impatience in this area. What am I talking about? I'm talking about patience with people as God continues to work, work in them. Okay? In our microwave society, we just want bad people punished immediately and order restored as soon as possible. That's, that's how it always works on the TV shows, right? We got 30 minutes and the, the crime happens. It's, we go through the, the various situations and it's Judge Wapner throws, it, throws them in jail, right? And that's just how it all happens. Well, we look at the world that way. When's this guy going to get what he's got coming? When is this person going to get their just due? We want that instant gratification. We want it though. We want it in our food. We want it in our shows. We want it in our relationships. In our perceived wrongdoings, we want issues dealt with immediately. And James says, "Be patient." Something that we need to be thankful for is that God is patient. We don't ever think about this when we demand our instant whatever, but what if God wanted instant gratification on us? Most of us wouldn't make it past the age of two. They're called terrible twos for a reason. Seriously, though, how many of us are hypocrites with what we expect others compared to how we want to be treated? Look at, look at this stalactite picture here. This is a slow dripping of transforming minerals that add up and add up over a long period of time to make the beauty that you see there. We, we all want grace. We want people to forgive our mistakes and understand we are growing, but we want them fixed like right now. We, we want them like, can't you just straighten that out in your life? Can't you get that corrected? Think about this, and this is, this is comical to me because I'm, I'm probably the worst at it because I'm the most impatient person on the planet. 
We invented a microwave that can cook food in a matter of seconds and we can't wait for the thing to hit zero. We stop it at like five seconds because I can't wait that long. Think about that. That is us. We invented speed dating. We ain't got time to actually get to know these people. Just give me the cut, cut to the chase answers. And we'll find out whether I want to get to know you more later. Be patient. That's what James is saying here. How long do we have to be patient? I mean, these people. Look around. I got time to be patient with all you. The answer to how God really expects us to put up with this stuff is in our text, how convenient. It says, we're supposed to do this until the coming of the Lord. That's hard for most people. Because the reality is we look around and we don't like what we see, right? We think everybody ought to be fixed and they ought to, well, just be like us so that they're smart and they know what's going on in life, right? Basically, here's the, here's the bummer part for you people that like think everybody needs to be fixed. Here's the, here's the part that's going to be hard for you. Basically, as long as you have breath on this earth, you have to be patient with those people around you. I know. That is tough. See, James uses this example. He says, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. People, people in general, everyone, that you ever encounter in your life. People in general are a work in progress. They, they're never perfected. And we, as people, shockingly, this is going to shock some of you, but we have not fully arrived. We won't fully arrive until the day of glory, when the Lord appears. And we, we've talked at length about how we're all at different places in our walk with Christ. Our text here compares it to early and late rains. We, we get different stages of growth in our lives, and it comes when we receive the watering of the Word from the Lord. We, we all do it. We get away from we get away from the word sometimes and we notice our life is starting to reflect it. We, we miss the communion with God. So we get back to trying to get that closeness that we once had. So we start to get back in the word and we start experiencing that growth. It, it, it kind of goes in ebbs and flows. Anybody else experience that? Yeah. Okay. So oh, thank God it's not just me. It's tough because we, we do. Growth doesn't happen without water and growth doesn't happen w without, without us having light. We have to have both of those things in order for us to grow. 
So when we're in those dark stages of our life, when we're in those bad places that we are, we have to recognize that we have to get back into the water and into the light so that we can experience growth again. We also, and this is hard for us as people, we have to recognize that people are in different stages of that. They may be in a place where they're not ready to receive something from us. We try and gently get them back to where they are. They may be in a place where they're on fire for the Lord and everything's going great in their life. We have to keep them there and encourage that, that growth. We, as Christians, need to stay in a place where we get fed and watered so that we can grow. Because we need to stay in the place where we're in God's reign and we're getting those early rains and those late rains. He showers us with His goodness all the time. And you know what? We, we, we step out of that sometimes just because we want to feel like what it's, what it's like to be dirty again. You guys ever experienced that? It's like, well, everything's going great in my life. Let me go over here and ruin it for a little bit and see how that goes. The, the reality is you already know what it's like to be in that bad place. Get back in the shower. Because the reality is when we go outside, it's like living in a pigsty anyway. You, you, we want to we be in a place in our life where we desire having the filth washed off of us. But how many of us just sometimes feel more comfortable laying in the muck? You know, it's comfortable there. We don't have to do anything. We just, we just hang out because, well, it's easy. It's easy to lie in the sty. In the stuff. You don't, have to, you don't have to make decisions there. You don't have to do good things there. It's kind of like, ugh. And I know people that are totally comfortable in that. But every single one of you knows that when the rain cleanses you, you feel better. The reality is, you can be comfortable laying in that sty. You can be comfortable laying in that muck. Comfort does not always mean good. We talked about this before, but nobody grows when they're comfortable. That's just the reality of it. In order to grow, you've got to be tested and pulled. You have to be stretched to points where you didn't think it was possible. And God will do that with you to the point where you'll have actual growing pains. But he's not going to force you out of the muck. You have to make that decision to come out of it. So, we show patience with people because we're all in different stages of life. All of us are. If you look at people as projects to fix or lost souls to save, 
you're going to be in for one really long and miserable life. Because the reality is when you're having those conversations with people and you think everything's going great in your life and you turn around and you look over and they're laying there in the sty and you're like, what are you doing? I'm comfy here. I like my sty. It makes you feel like a failure because you didn't turn them around. The reality is that's not your job. Two times in ministry, in my, I don't know, long time being in ministry, I, I've dealt with people who were so prideful that they thought if the pastor just listened to them, then they would be pastoring correctly. Never did they actually stop and just think that maybe, just maybe, God was doing exactly what he wanted to with that pastor. One of these people in particular went, literally went from church to church to church trying to fix, fix the pastor. Ironically, neither one of these people were pastors. They just knew how pastors should be. And I think that they didn't just wait or be patient to let God do the work in the pastor that they thought maybe should have been done. Our text says to not grumble against a brother. So what we just talked about is so that you may not be judged. Notice, it's not the person grumbling against you. It says that you may not be judged. In Timothy, it says that you should have two or three, win two or three witnesses to bring a charge against an elder. One of these guys actually had his entire family telling him he was wrong and to stop doing it. And he kept doing it anyway with, with a pastor. His pride tore his whole family apart where they were going to separate churches and they were doing all this. And he was judged by a lot of people for his actions. And I'm not saying that we don't talk to the pastor about things that we see wrong. I say we do it in love and we do it not out of arrogance. Over the years, I've had people tell me something I said was wrong many times. You know what? Sometimes I'm wrong. I'm willing to admit that. It's easy for us to say, you know what? You're right. But for some reason, it's like pulling eye teeth for someone to say, you know what? I was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. We dig in and we stand on our little hill. We, we had a family in an old church that literally everybody had them up on this pedestal that they were the perfect family. And they had a major issue come up in that family. 
And sadly, what happened was, instead of coming to the church and dealing with this situation as a church body and us coming around them and helping them with what was going on, they ran and hid. They went to another church where nobody knew them, nobody knew the situation, nobody knew it, because they didn't want to feel judged. And it's sad that they thought that that would happen, but the reality is they set themselves up for this model to follow. And when they weren't, people did judge them. People didn't judge the bad that happened. People judged how they handled it. Because the way that they dealt with it was um, people, people were grumbling like, well, what happened to these people? They were here for years and now all of a sudden they're not here. And then rumors start flying and you guys know how that goes. It, it, only two of us really knew what happened in that family. But people started talking all kinds of different things. Had they dealt with this in a biblical manner, the way that they explained to everybody else that they should in their lives, this would not have been an issue. See, people are willing to forgive you. People are willing to accept that you make mistakes. People are willing to accept that you do things wrong in your life. What they're not willing to do is tell you to do something one way and then tell other people to do it a different way. People don't accept hypocrisy. So, are, are you guys seeing through the book of James that there's a pattern here of not telling people to do as I say and not as I do? There's, there's a pattern that's happening here, and that's James is saying we are judged by God when we tell somebody to do something and we do something different and expect like it to be the same. It, it's not. The reality is, this, the, the reason I brought up that story is because we can't just keep running. When, when things happen in our lives, we need to deal with them. That's why we have brothers and sisters. It, it's not just so that we can come to church and, and say cool things like, hey brother. That, that's, not, that's not why we have that. We have these people in our lives so that we can depend on them, we can rely on them, even and especially when we screw up. Because we will. It's going to happen. The sad part of modern Christianity is that instead of dealing with issues that we have, we just keep running to different churches. And instead of dealing with the issues, we keep taking our issues other places. The reality is, they're going to find out that you have those issues. And then you're off to the next place. You're just going to keep taking your problems with you if you don't deal with them. James says here that we should look to those who came before us as an example of patience and suffering. James mentions the prophets here, so let's talk about why. 
The prophets who came in the name of the Lord is what James is talking about. The prophets in, in the Old Testament were dealt with one of two ways. They were either greeted and accepted or they were mocked and ridiculed. It was one or the other. There wasn't really much of a, of a difference. The reality is sometimes they were mocked and ridiculed and greeted by the same people. So they would get treated badly. And it was mostly, what, what was the reason for that? It was the word that was given. When, when we, we talked about this before. If I tell you things that make you happy, you'll sit here all day long. If I tell you things that make you unhappy, you want to start chucking the tomatoes and the eggs at me, right? Because, well, I don't really want to hear that. Well, with the prophets, I'm just telling you what God's word says. If you don't like it, that's not my problem. Go take it up with him. I call this situational ethics. It's, it's something that offends us, but only offends us sometimes, right? Or sometimes it's not even that. It's who says it may offend us. So if, if Danielle comes up to me and she lies to, right to my face, and I spank her because she lied to me, Tyranny can come up and tell me the exact same lie, and I'm like, eh, that's eh, tyranny, you know. No. The point is, is that some, some people don't even get mad because they just expect it out of other people. <laughs> that took you a minute. That took you a minute. I'm just saying, sometimes we, sometimes we get to where we're offended by one person's actions and we're not offended by another person's actions. Same action. Why are we not equally offended? So if Joe lies to me and Lucy doesn't, what, why, do I, why, why do I care who it is that's saying it? Sometimes, sometimes we suffer things that people do. Sometimes we just let it go. The prophets were representatives of the Lord. They looked at, they looked at people as people. And they looked at what their mission was just as that. They just went, all right, God told me to tell you this. That's what I'm doing. And they got a massive difference in reactions to what God's word said. Sometimes it was received well, sometimes it was not. And a lot of times, if the prophet said something in, in biblical times, if the prophet said something that the king didn't like, off with the, off with the prophet's head. Either way, the prophet was just doing what God commanded. It was um, one of the prophets that they, the king kept trying to get him to, like, to um, say bad things about the, about the other army. 
And he, every time that he would do that, he would bless them instead. And the king kept getting mad. Like, I tell you to curse him and you're blessing him. And he's like, I'm just saying what God's telling me to say. That's how we need to look at it as well. Like it or not, we, you, all you people here, and you at home, whether you like it or not, you represent Christ. When you were given the title of Christian, you represent Christ. If you thought that that was going to be easy, you thought wrong. Because the reality is, as we've already talked about, our job as Christians is to deal with people. And people are difficult. People are tough to deal with. But our job is to help people. Our job is to sacrifice ourselves for people. And that can be very hard because people... Typically, people are not thankful. People are not grateful. Sometimes they can be even obstinate. Sometimes they can just be rude or whatever the case may be. My favorite, my favorite one ever is when non-Christians tell me how I'm supposed to act as a Christian. They don't know. They're not one of us. For the most part, most non-Christians think we should just keep our mouths shut and never say anything about anything, right? Especially when we're arguing with them because we're apparently supposed to be brain dead. The common misconception as Christians is that we're supposed to just keep turning our other cheek as someone's abusing us. Um, and that's not really the point. The point is, is that I think there's if there's potential for dialogue then we dialogue with people we sit and we're patient if if we are to be steadfast like job we patiently just do the work of god there's no fanfare there's no glory we just do it just picture job he's sitting there suffering everything he's lost everything and he just sits there going well it's the way God has it. Nothing I can do about it. And I think that that's, that's a point of Job that a lot of us miss. Because we look at it and go, oh, I would do this, or I would do this. No, no, you wouldn't. It's, it's not about what we receive. It's about what they receive. And if we make it about us, we misrepresent God. We misrepresent His sacrificial love. We have to be patient enough to let God do the work and steadfast enough to know he does it in his timing, not ours. You know what? I guarantee you, God's plan for your neighbor that you think sucks so bad is different than your plan. I guarantee it. 
his approach is going to be different than yours because you just want to go over there and slap that person silly till they straighten out. God's plan is going to be different. The, the reality is, if we are doing His will, He will reveal to you how to work in that person's life instead of what your plan is, is go slap them silly. God's plan will be different because the Lord, as our text says, the Lord is compassionate and merciful. We aren't. We want instant microwave now, right? We want it all happening. The thing is, and we need to understand this as Christians, and this is tough, because we, we tend to make it all about us. It's all, it's all about what we want, how we want it, Right? The reality is God does not need us to do his work. He gives us the opportunity to do it because it's more for us than it is for them. Our true growth as Christians, our growth as Christians come when we are planting and we are watering and being patient with others as they grow. We grow through that because we're doing God's work. They grow because they're seeing God's work happening. And here's the thing. Even if we're doing it all wrong, we learn from that. I, I, this speaking from personal experience, my first Christianity, my theology, my doctrine, my everything was a jacked up mess. I didn't know any better. I didn't think any better. And you know what? Quite frankly, I didn't study to find out because this person told me that and that's all I needed to know. And you know what? I grew more from knowing what not to do than I did from knowing what to do. Because I learned, yeah, that way it's not right. It amazes me how many people come to church from Catholicism, Mormonism, any other ism, all the, all the isms, and they go, yeah, I, I, I just, I didn't... I didn't feel God in that. It wasn't right for me. And because they, it's kind of like those people that count money all day long. You know, when you're sitting there counting money, you, you know when something's not right, when you get a bad one. That's, that's kind of how that is. Because we've all done it wrong. Every single one of us. We've done Christianity wrong. We've all had conversations with people, right? We represent God. We have those conversations with people. And we come back and we go, Oh, man, I should have said that. That would have fixed everything. If I would have only done that, then they would have... We get this vision like, Well, if I would have said that, they would have dropped on their knees right then and given their life to God. You don't know that? But we learn from those. 
We grow and God helps them grow. We have to be patient and let this work happen in people's lives. It's not about forcing people into submission to our way of thinking, which is really what it is. It's not God's way of thinking. It's like we're going to force them into our way of thinking. It doesn't work like that. Romans 10, 14 through 17 says, How then will they call on him who, have they, who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who have, they have not heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But if they have not obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Our job is to be faithful to his word, to preach the good news. It is not our job to convert them or change them into Christians. Only God can change their heart. We need to be steadfast, steadfast in our faithfulness to do the work of the gospel. And we need to be steadfast in showing love as God does all that work. See, we, we want to force it. We want to kind of push people into whatever it is that we think they should be. We want to microwave them. Boom! There. Yeah, best perfect now. I have made her into my little minion. We, but that's, that's not how that works. Our job is to love and to preach the good news in season and out of season. That means if it's raining or not, we are faithful. If we feel it or not, we're faithful. If we're in the light or in the dark, we still are faithful. And, and yeah, we do our part no matter what, even if we don't like that other person. Because you know what? Maybe they don't like you that much either. The reality is God loves you both. So whether you like them or not, it's not the point. So the last point for today is our oath. We make an oath of sorts when we make a commitment to Christ. We have an obligation to be Christ-like. We, we're not going to do it perfect like him. But our oath is to be like him in every way that we can. As we grow and go through the sanctification process, we continually become more Christ-like. Part of that is being faithful to those we encounter on the way. Um, kind of like the way that Christ was faithful to his followers and us. We, we can't be lazy. We have to see things through. If we don't, or if we say we're going to do something, do it. This is kind of a small pet peeve for me, so bear with me. I've seen Christians walk all over other Christians because they're expected to forgive. Don't take advantage of people's kindness. Seriously. My, my wife has had friends in the past who 
time after time after time make appointments and, and hey, let's go do lunch. Hey, let's go get coffee. Hey, let's go. Do... I have one friend of hers in it drives me absolutely. I, seriously, she drives me crazy because they, they've been making plans to go get coffee or go do probably like 15 years now. I still don't think they've ever done it because her friend blows her off every single time. And she knows that my wife is like, oh, it's okay, it's fine, I understand. But it hurts her. It's like, what, what, why do you keep doing this? If you say you're going to do something, follow through. Do it. If, if you can't, be up front. I don't think I can make it. Or, I don't like you. <laughs> say that, whatever. Be honest. People will abuse your, your generosity as Christians. So you, you have to be careful and just remember how you would want to be treated in this situation. James is all about that. How would you feel if somebody blew you off? Our witness is what's paramount here because as we've said many times, you are the only Bible some people are ever going to read. So how's that Bible look? Are you, are you patient with people or are you forceful? Are we giving them time to grow? Or do we demand instant results? Do we expect certain behaviors out of people that you don't hold yourself to? Lastly, do you follow through or do you use people's generosity to your advantage? As James has pointed out throughout this book, how would we want to be treated? And I know I would want patience and compassion and mercy. So we have to show that to those people that we encounter. We have to show them the kind of love that we would expect for ourselves. We'll stand up. We'll pray.